go that's that's kurt von eckroth and you're the master zitherist <laughs> be careful where we're going yeah i'm so excited this may be the best moment i've ever had doing radio i mean how many we were talking before the show how many places on radio right now are you hearing live zither music so thank you all for coming in uh kurt your wife megan yeah hi there and jeff uh Kofa- Kovalkovsky. Kovalkovsky. Jeff, you kind of put all this together <laughs> thanks to my brother. Yeah. He told me uh, Doug was up at Christmas, and he goes, let's start there. He says, you were doing a thing in Columbia where you led like a whole, what are they, I had it written down here, a whole zither orchestra or something. So uh, yeah, talk yeah, about that and then how you guys all got to know each other. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I started conducting the uh, Chicago Zither Orchestra, and I, I was lucky enough to conduct it in 2013. It was the last concert um, of the uh, Zither Club. They were around from 1913 to, they were around 100 years exactly. Uh, around 100 years, right. Yeah, and I, I um, my, one of my compositions students his aunt was a a woman named janet stessel and uh she was a zitherist who um uh, played with the chicago symphony when they needed a zither which is not very often and well, uh, what would they i, I want to define a zither in a minute because i know john over here to, yeah, <laughs> is I, lost but um yeah what, what would they need a zither for uh, like for strauss or Mahler okay. or like certain um uh, late romantic composers added the zither to the orchestra in a kind of effectual way but the the zither we're hearing ton- tonight is more of an alpine zither i would say and it's uh, the portability of the instrument is what's most interesting to me um cl- kind of climbing up here to the 18th floor uh, seems like climbing up the mountain which is what um 
um, you could do with a zither. Uh, in the old days, in the Alps, uh, you could uh, put that on your back and you could go backpacking up in the mountains and you could bring your piano with you in a way. I think of it as a kind of grandfather of the piano. And um, also the the um, musicians who are able to play the zither are, are I mean, it's an astounding amount of technique, um, 42 strings. Yeah. Um, the range is the same as a piano, and um, uh, uh, you could play um, an amazing amount of repertoire on the zither. It's um, yeah, that's about all I knew about it. I mean, tell the listeners what is. I mean, I've been telling people about this, and they go, what people, what, what are you talking about? So, what is a zither? That's about all I know. A guitar has six strings. A, this has forty-two. Forty-two. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, what is just both you guys define a zither? I think Kurt could talk go about ahead. the. the I'll, I'll start it. And, yeah. and you fill in the blanks. Okay. okay I'll uh, fill in the blanks. Um, zither is just a general, uh, broad term for any any stringed instrument that has no neck and this poor little thing doesn't have a neck just like Walt Wilson <laughs> we got a no neck thing going here take that thing to the ballpark yeah, right. <laughs> but it does have frets um, there, there are five fingerboard strings nearest me nearest my belly tuned as a viola ADGC I don't know how technical you, the audience is but um, the melody is There are 12 accompaniment strings used for chording, rhythm, and bass strings. And then you put it all together and you make music. Or you think you do. Yeah. How, how hard is it to play? And also for both you guys, how did you... How'd you get into the zither? I, I, I was made to play the zither. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a young guy. Yeah, I, 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 Jeff, I, I thought we might hey, have like somebody like it, our, our friend on the record album showing up. <laughs> like an 80-year-old guy yeah. with a zither, and here you no. are. You're like... When you're, when you're how, 90, how old are you? Oh, I'm 63. Oh, you look... You look yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. I'm glad for the little things in life. <laughs> so, so you were made to play. Well, yeah. yeah. And when you're nine, you don't very much... Tell your father to <laughs> pee off. You yeah, know? right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was around the house. You're from Wisconsin? From Wisconsin. Grew Milwaukee, up in Wisconsin. Milwaukee area? Uh, yeah, just a little west of Milwaukee, out okay. in the country. My parents didn't want the uh, bad influences of the city in, in influencing us, so we, my nearest neighbor was a mile away. So the zither was around the house? Yeah, we knew about it. Uh, my fate was sealed when the movie The Third Man came out in 1949, and I was born in 55, but yeah. Uh, yeah, by that point, uh, the zither was in my dad's gun sights. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Orson Welles in a minute. Jeff, same thing. And I, I didn't know this. That we've got kind of a similar background. You were born in Berwyn, Westchester. Uh, yeah, that's true. And that's true. So yeah. how did it come to you? Uh, but, uh, the zither, you mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I, w I was lucky enough to um, uh, be um, honored to conduct the Chicago Zither Orchestra. And then after that, I was invited to conduct uh, the North American Zither Summits. I've conducted several um, in Iowa and Davenport, Iowa. There's a big zither scene there with Ann Prince. And um, also in uh, Missouri, um, in Washington, Missouri, where the Schwartz Zither factory was. Um, this is a 1890s, uh, 19th century 
uh, zither manufacturer who was an inventor, and uh, he won a gold medal in, I think it was 1893 or so, and then he built a factory and sold his zithers all around the world and um, employed many, many people in his factory. Um, he was a master um, lutherist or manufacturer of the zither. And um, I'm a conductor, and, and so it was a pleasure for me to uh, conduct 30 or 40 zithers at once. We Boy, also, how does that sound? Well, yeah, how, when you're, you're say zither orchestra, how many yeah. you got? I mean, you like different sections and stuff, just like any orchestra? Yeah. Are they all tuned differently or something like that? Well, or? some of them are playing a um, kind of a bass range and some in the tenor range and the alto and the soprano. And we also had a master soloist from Germany, Tommy Thomerson. Tommy Tommy Tamerson. Tommy Tamerson. <laughs> Yeah, Tony, you say tomato, I say tomato. There you go, sure. But uh, Tommy Tamerson came, and he's kind of the yo-yo ma of the zither, and he comes often um, to teach uh, zither and to um, uh, 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 help us um, create a large uh, grand zither orchestra. Me better. Um so the club here in Chicago, man, I saw. I told you this week, I saw some of those YouTube videos. It's great. Um, so it stopped in 2013. Yeah. And did, what happened? Is this the players just got old and retired? Like, what? where's the future of this going? And hey, why, the, why did it stop? I, I'm the young guy in the crowd. You are the young guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are some why, younger why, people. but why, why did it stop? Oh, I don't I think know. it was age. Uh, I it was age. I think they retired and, um, um, yeah. They they moved on from the scene of of uh, it takes a lot of work to put zithers on the stage. You imagine we all have to tune our instruments and you imagine forty times forty that's a big number. So it's a lot of a lot of strings to tune, and uh, you have to bring tables and we have to set everything up. So. Does the um, zither just, have a dedicated string? Are there strings specifically for the yes. zither? Can, you you yes. can't, can't use other stringed instruments' uh, strings on uh, it? In a pinch, yeah. you know, when you can't buy them. But there, there are four or five manufacturers of strings in Germany, as surprising as that is. It's uh, hitting a resurgence in, in Germany in, in the... In, in the young people. So it should hit a it, resurgence everywhere. I just love the way well, it sounds. We hope. You know. You know, I brought in my one, my one Zither album. <laughs> I wanted to talk about him. Rudy Wasek. I, I would call him... <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I would call him the Hendrix of the Zither. Right. Well, <laughs> because what he did is he put electronics on it. Right, talk sure. about... You know more, better than I. Let me right. take this one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Let me take this one, Jeff. I met Rudy Vacek. And, right. uh, and in fact, in this... Uh, table there's a vachek zither sitting in underneath it he made five of these things and i own two of them and i know where another two are there's one that's missing of the five i don't know where where it is and uh he went to go see les paul i don't know whether in waukesha or whether in new york but he he learned how to wind his own pickups and uh Vacek came out of vienna and he had his own dance orchestra. He was an accordionist. And then when the movie comes out, The Third Man. And we'll talk he, about that after the break. He remembers yeah. this, you know, so he goes, oh, I got I to gotta bring this zither thing back. He had learned it as a child. So he finds one. Well, in no way, it's such a soft instrument. There's no way that you can use this as a, as a, 
as a dance vehicle. So he wants to amplify it, and he he tears out a whole section of strings. And we don't need them, and he brings the contrabasses up, and so this has a nice big bass sound and and his own pickups. Okay, we got to take a break. I'm gonna pick up on that, and you know I want to cross over. He played the Golden Ox and all yeah. that. He had yeah. so he did take it out. So don't go away. This is great stuff on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. We're talking zither music, and now we're gonna bring vocals into it. So Kurt and Megan, tell me what you're gonna do here. Um, this piece is called Glocken der Heimat. It's uh, being sung in German. Um, it was written by Avsenik in the mid 1950s. And away we go. Oh, this is going to be great. Beautiful. That was uh, yeah. Dan Long. Do you think we can do a weekly zither show here at <laughs> WGN? <laughs> um, so much. I, I, is listener Al still there? Um, listener Al has a question for. Uh, sorry. Al. Hello? Yeah. This yeah. Is, this is. Uh, you want to have a question for Jeff? Hey, what's up? Well, uh, yeah. You know, I, I bet you're kind of surprised that you have somebody actually calling in to talk zither with you. Well, why not? Uh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> But, you know, I, I forget, I didn't catch your name, but the one fellow was born in the Milwaukee area. I wonder if he remembers a restaurant that was called the Golden Zither. Oh, yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. he would have played there. I never played there. It went out of business before I was uh, old enough to uh, play there. Well, yeah, listen around. Go ahead, listen around. Oh, it was an interesting place. Uh, one of my older brothers had graduated from Marquette in 1969. I remember... Our whole family went there for the dinner sure. after graduation. Oh, yeah. 
Well, that's a, that's one thing we were going to bring up is this did cross over maybe the fifth. I mean, talk about here in the studio, uh, the Golden Ox. Uh, our friend Rudy was there and uh, Black Forest. Talk about why, how did it end up in these, I'm, I guess they were accompaniment for, for the dinners and stuff, or talk about how it was. Well, I think that um, uh, zither players could would just come into restaurants and set up and play and and at a uh, table and and do their thing but because the portability of the instrument is so uh, simple and also having a singer also just makes it like a a kind of two person orchestra in yeah. my opinion when I listen to the sound of the ensemble here and. Um, uh, uh, you know the Golden Ox in Chicago was a place where the, that was where the uh, Zither community used to rehearse and also um, have uh, concerts as well. Yeah. And when did all that? And same thing. Are, are you still there, Al? Is he gone? Um, when did all that fade away? Probably uh, in the seventies. It's been fading. And, yeah. It's been fading for a while. There's a huge influx of of, of the Germanic tribe in the eighteen sixties, seventies, eighties, and then after World War Two, in between the wars, because of of the depression that was worldwide. It's a it's a it's a solo instrument. It's a it's an instrument that can be set up in a restaurant and give you some sound, and and people can sing to it if they want. You can. Yeah, you know, is anybody using it as a it, for uh, styles of music other than what it was like the waltzes and so forth that you're doing? I mean, is anybody trying to yeah. contemporize the in, sound in, in order to perpetuate it? The the main thrust of of the modern zither players are trying to play Brahms and and so forth, and I don't know that it's well suited for that. There are those who are playing jazz and blues so it does it does uh, freddie Cole for what, example, is it, was doing is it uh, uh can you play bluegrass on the, the yeah the, like, well, like it's the a dulcimer? complete it's a complete instrument yeah. all the notes mm. are there you just need to i mean at some point i suppose you take you, you include the you know your 10 fingers and then bring the toes into play i don't know how to play 42 <laughs> instrument uh, 42 strings before the break <laughs> megan how did uh, now How'd you guys meet? I mean, <laughs> is this just a coincidence, so, or did he teach you? I mean, did you yeah. know about this stuff? I mean, um, how- I actually started out at, um, I went to Whitewater and studied voice for a period of time, graduated, and then um, decided that it wasn't really something that I really wanted to pursue as a career, so I decided to do the next logical thing, which is study electrical engineering. <laughs> <laughs> I actually met Kurt at um, one of the tech colleges in Wisconsin. He was teaching at the time. Um, And then once I graduated from the tech school, Kurt uh, knew that I had this background in voice and said, hey, you know, I play zither and I'm looking for a vocalist. I think this would be a great opportunity. And so at first I was kind of unsure about, you know, my voice type and how it fit with this instrument that I'd never heard of previously. (laughs) Yeah. so yeah, that's I guess that's kind of how this mm-hmm. started, and then from there we would do you know we'd have practice sessions and do gigs and that sort of thing. And I think it's just the instrument 
and my voice, I think, are very well suited for each other. Um, it's oh, a softer I, instrument. A, I have a softer absolutely. voice. So, yeah. Okay, we got to take a break for David Jennings and the news, and we'll talk about some more music. I didn't even know they're going to be here for George Flynn tomorrow. So they're yeah, going to be here gonna just, be at the Green So we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. We okay there? And now we're going to talk. You know, I want to kind of talk about with we got our panelists here. We got our uh, sidekick John Hughes sitting sidekick in tonight, all the, all the way up from Louisville, <laughs> and our our zither master zither player Kurt von Eckroth. Is that sure. pronouncing that right? Yeah. And his wife Megan, beautiful job on those vocals. And our friend Jeff Kovalkovsky. Kovalkovsky. And um, well, let's let's just start at, at ground zero before we get into George Flynn. I know you through my brother. Yeah, Doug. And yeah. I've seen you perform. Yeah. So talk about that. That I mean, you've done you know, all kinds of different types of music. We're going to get to George Flynn yeah. and that gig tomorrow. But yeah. Um, yeah, talk about what you were doing with Doug. Well, I met Doug a long time ago, and I started playing with his bands, and I, I did a lot of overdubs on his albums in Nashville. I, I used to fax um, cello charts and horn charts down in Nashville before there was email. And they'd end up on his records. And uh, I remember playing with Doug at the bottom line in New York City for a week and playing in Philadelphia and touring with Were you Doug. on keyboard? What did you play? I played all multi-instruments, percussion, um, uh, keyboards, piano, and accordion sometimes even. Um, and... Um, I wrote a lot of scores for his like uh, overdubs on his albums. Like I scored out the cello parts, and we'd overdub like five or six cellos, five or six horns. Um, yeah, so I've known him a long time, and he he actually recorded some of his records in my basement when I had a studio in my basement um, before my sons were born. And yeah, we go back pretty far. How would you describe the type of music you were doing with Doug? I'd say it was like alt country or like experimental country, um, uh, and and um, a lot of the bands I played in came out of, um, like you s mentioned, Phyllis's Musical Inn. Yeah. I mean, before it was a rock club, it was a polka bar in the fifties, and I think my dad used to play there, like you know, um, in in the early sixties and. Um, I played there when I was in my teens and 20s, um, playing in punk bands and grunge bands and stuff like that. John, there's a, um, I, we've had them on the show. We've had Clem on the show before, and I, I really believe there's a, um, a, and I don't know, maybe this is true in, in clubs that you've seen in Louisville or Long, in Long Beach, but I really do think there's a defined sound that always comes out of, that came out of Phyllis's. Yeah. And you're probably better at explaining that than I, but I mean, I, I want to say it was dense, folky, uh, country, urban. I mean, I'm thinking we we all love sold American, right? Yeah. Uh, Stump the host, Steve Dawson's old thing. Talk about what yeah. that vibe was like there, well, and, and it was pretty wide open. You could experiment. Yeah, we could experiment, and we, you know, um, I remember opening up for Sold American and recording with Scott Tuma, who was a guitarist in that band, and and just um, we would try a lot of things like just slowing down country or like. Um, playing um playing blues but with uh, um a rock aesthetic and um how much yeah. did the, just the environment you were in how much did that have to do with it just the atmosphere of the place with the kind of sound that came out of it 
Um, I just think it was just easy, you know. Clem, Clem made it easy. Uh, yeah, Clem's still around. He had us come in and just kind of encouraged us to to try things out. And and um, it was some of my first gigs were at Phyllis's. It used to be Polish Broadway. Yeah, and there were like fifty polka club. Little Wally played on there, and something. His yeah. is like really the last place. Right. They still got the, some original wallpaper, right, up there. Of, of we went polka to it. You and I went yeah. to it. One of those. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, we might have. Yeah, we might. I might have taken you there. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a very important place. Yeah, we did. In, in we Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Um. So new music. Yeah. How do you define all you guys? How do you define new music? Well, for me, it's. Um, uh, I'm a composer and a music theorist, so my uh, main interests are in the new and the avant-garde. And, and um, since I was a graduate student, this is a, going back to the early 90s, I've been doing Sunday afternoon matinee uh, concerts with, um, we call it um, Ink Still Wet music, and tomorrow we'll have another matinee. Um, and every jam- no, that, that, that's at the Green Mill. That's at the Green Mill, forty-eight oh two North Broadway. Correct, right, right off of the uh, Lawrence Red Line stop. And um, uh, we've been doing concerts there for almost thirty years. Um, George Flynn is the leader of the group, and and every January we do a birthday celebration for him, and um, he'll be. 81 i think this month and he'll be there uh, performing new music and there'll be um 11 or 12 composers on the same bill myself included and you guys will be there we'll be there i didn't know that till you came in tonight yeah they'll be playing (laughs) you'll be playing they'll be playing as people arrive and probably have a little set as the audience settles and we'll be playing zither music yeah Wow! Yeah, yeah, and also I, in the I, intermission, I as really well. like the cocktail hour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the reason I play the zither is so I can play all these cocktail hours. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell the listeners, you know, uh, who George Flynn is. Uh, there's a YouTube clip of him saying how he's avant-garde classical, which means no one's interested in what I play. <laughs> you know, right. something like that. I mean, so what? What does he do, and how? How? How do you describe his music, and then how does it connect to uh, just say somebody just walking in the Green Mill for the first time tomorrow? Well, he's a, a kind of classic composer. Um, he's a professor emeritus at DePaul. That's where I studied with him, and um, he. Um, was uh, working with John Cage, working with Morton Feldman in New York, and um, also um, uh, constantly composing. The Guardian um, in London called his music some of the most violent piano music ever written. Wow. So he writes very severe um, avant-garde. It's... It's the opposite of commercial music, you might say. Um, it's also very influenced by composers like Messian and Berio, and um, um, he's he's. I think he's kind of a brilliant uh, composer. Um, he's recorded many records. He he recorded for um, Finidar Records, which was a subsidiary of Atlantic Records. And um, he's a a champion of new music. He always has been, and and a supporter of young composers. So what time does this start tomorrow? At 2 p.m. 2 o'clock. It goes on for how long? 
Till four. Till four. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. How many people you have in there? Twelve. Twelve? Yeah. In two hours? Yeah. It's like a mashup or something. Really? Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's usually we have a lot of music. Uh, and many of the pieces are not very long, so 12 sounds like a lot of composers, but a lot of the pieces are five minutes or ten minutes long. And you said you do this, how often do you do this? I mean, oh, tomorrow's like a birthday thing. We like. do three concerts a year usually, and I, I've do the last Sunday in October, so I do a kind of Halloween concert, and then we have George's um, birthday concert, which is tomorrow, and then Amy Wirtz, who I think will be there tomorrow, she usually does something in the spring. For um, everybody here, um, how does this music that we're talking about, uh, the new music, maybe what George does, how does that influence other types of music you do? Um, well, I guess... Uh, I do all genres. I know I don't separate. Yeah. You know, like um, uh, I do pop music. I do rock. I do jazz. I do classical. I I last night Avon was playing chamber music. And, you did an opera in Hamburg. Yeah. What and, was that? Uh, well, I that was um, that was quite a while ago. But I did do a um, opera collaboration and uh, in Europe and. Uh, that I had written and collaborated on. So, yeah. Wow. I feel like, Dan, I feel like Milt Rosenberg. This is, this is, this is pretty, <laughs> pretty serious. Milt was a very serious, you know, did you remember him? Yeah. WGN. Very yeah. serious. He had very heady. heady. <laughs> same, same thing for you guys. I mean, other types, I didn't ask you that. Other types of music you play or sing? This is it. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> Just zither. <laughs> There's new music, avant-garde music, and zither. Zither. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, artistic director of the Milkwood Foundation. What was that? Uh, that was a, a recording company that I had with Eric Markowitz, who also oh, played with yeah. Doug. He was a guitarist for Doug, and and he and I. Um, the, the bands I started out with were with Eric. We had a band called Nothing, and um, we played at Phyllis's, and then we became Billy Pilgrim. Oh, I remember, yeah. Which was a, a name we borrowed from a Kurt Vonnegut novel. We actually asked Kurt Vonnegut's permission to use the name Billy Pilgrim, and he he approved it. And then a band from L.A. Um, bought the name from us, and we got a significant sum from the lawyers, and we told uh, Kurt Vonnegut about it, and he just told us to keep the money. So we used the money to make another record. And then we changed our name to Agatha, and we had many names. We made many albums, but they were um, uh, uh, not commercially successful. <laughs> well, that, that actually leads to my next question. John, you covered music, I think, uh, for a while. <laughs> yeah, Louisville. So what is the muse for what you do? I mean, I, I just find it so unique, and we've interviewed people, and there's been people on the show, you know, I want to write a pop hit for radio, you know, or I want to I tour. What is the muse that makes you explore these little unknown pockets or, of music, you know? I mean, I think it's fascinating you stay true to that. You mean to, like, tr try new things all the yeah, time? Yeah, right. Or listen. That's another way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like... Um, a sense of freedom that I could do whatever I want as a musician. So that I, I, that's something I hold on to, and I think it's it's kind of rare around the world. And I think being an American composer, um, I I can do whatever I want, and I I don't have to fear anything. I know Doug and I have talked about this, and again I've talked about this with other guests. Do you find a little more freedom of expression 
uh, in Europe, you know, I mean, uh, I know it's true with singer-songwriters, I, I know it's true with soul music, um, or or not? Um, I don't think so. I think that um, we're a lot, that's uh, a tough question, I guess, but uh, um, we have uh, uh, more um, eclecticism and uh and we teach eclecticism in a way. We teach our students that they shouldn't um, copy anyone else and they should find their own path and you shouldn't compare yourself to anyone else. So the creative freedom is what what drives me. So, Kurt and Megan, say you wanted to record a Zither album. Maybe you have. Maybe you're thinking about oh, it. Oh, we're thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, so what's the process like? How do you sell somebody on this? Well, we have to sell each other on the idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got one person. <laughs> yeah. I think me and John will buy. buy I'm in. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, the next step is figuring out how to cut a, you know, a million CDs and get them in the pack. No. <laughs> this stuff doesn't necessarily sell. Uh, yeah, I think it's trying to ter- determine what pieces appeal to today's audience because the music, the traditional German music or the folk German music, isn't necessarily what people are listening to today. So it's trying to, I guess, integrate the traditional with the modern. That is the struggle for us, um, especially because a lot of the modern music will have to be adapted for the zither, which is difficult in itself. Yeah, I think John had a good point. I mean, I, I hear I, I could see bluegrass, I could see mm-hmm. blues sure. zither. Yeah. Sure, two, those are two that I think, you know, open for Buddy Guy. <laughs> 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 but uh, you have you have thought about it though. Yes. Yeah. So, um, in, in line with that, and I don't know whether you do it now or after after a quick break. Talk about we we talked about the uh, Golden Ox and the Zither going in in the restaurants and stuff. But talk about I think a real breakout thing was Orson Welles, of course. So talk about uh, that relationship with with the Zither. Well, the uh, the movie The Third Man came out in 1949, and uh, not necessarily to uh, good reviews at the time. But uh, it has stood the test of time. It's a it's a it's a classic movie, and part of that movie is the uh, is is zither music behind it. It is entirely the, the scored for zither. There's no other music in it aside from the zither, and it's haunting and lilting and and devastating when you listen to the to the score. That's and, a good setup. And Orson Welles. Um uh, met the zitherist in Vienna, right in a cafe. I think he heard yeah. him playing, and he hired him to do the soundtrack. And he the, he had never sure the, he had the, never done a, a, a soundtrack no. at all. Anton Karras was the writer, and uh, started out his life as a watchmaker, and <laughs> and uh, so he's entertaining in the in one of these little Heurigen, um the new wine places pop open a bottle of wine when it finally gets at least somewhat fermented and uh, he, he came to the attention of of, uh, of the producers and so forth and uh, it was just not possible to it's not possible to redo that movie without hmm. that music okay we're going to take a break this is a real treat and you're going to play that after the break sure. right I'm really excited about this so don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN
<laughs> Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal. I know that song. That's Master Zillerus, Kurt Von Eckroth. How's that? Is that I mean, doing okay with that? Yeah, well, of Deutsch. You know, the Germans can't say thumb or the thermometer. they got to go thumb and thermometer, so it's Eckroth. Eckroth, okay. Big deal. Big deal. Um, <laughs> Do you have a day job? Uh, what do you What do you do when you're not playing zither? I I try to stay as retired as possible. Did you Did you have a day job? Yeah, I was. I I taught electrical engineering at the uh, tech school. I was uh, an engineering manager at the Eaton Corporation. Okay, so did people know this on the side? Did you walk around? And people, hey, there's there's our zither player. Yeah, no, yeah, folks, folks certainly knew, knew that I uh, I would I'd be out and playing playing. Uh, uh, at the local restaurants in the uh, yeah. in the Milwaukee area, are they still? Do you still do that? Nope. There's nowhere I can see you. <laughs> um, how many? This leads to another question. How many people are still playing Zither? Would you say, for both you guys? I mean, you know the orchestra, and, and I mean in, in Missouri, Jeff. Yeah. I'm going to let you do this yeah. political answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, when we have a summit, we usually get about like. 30 or 40 Zithrists come in and Tommy leads master classes and we rehearse and and uh, we get players from New Jersey, from California, from Wisconsin, from um, um, Illinois of course and um, yeah, I'd say there's about there's at least 50 people who are interested in the Zither So you're in saying North America. that there's a Zither <laughs> Summit Yes, uh, there I'm, has I, been I, multiple I, ones. Where have I been? You've been Armenia. <laughs> Zither Summit. Yeah. Yeah. All this time. Well, we have a great How time do you go through those. your life and not know until this point in my life that there's such a thing as a Zither yeah. Summit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jeff, I noticed um, I've been watching you while he's been playing, and I noticed you close your eyes, yeah. you kind of smile. Yeah. What are you thinking about? Where is that taking you? What are you I'm just, what, what's your I love mind the doing? sound of the zither. I love the the way it sounds like. If you close your eyes and listen to the zither, it sounds like at least three or four guitarists at once. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's only one person. Yeah. So I don't think people realize how difficult it is to play this instrument. Um, you you can't just pick it up and play, right? So that's why he's Thanks, a mas guys. master zither. <laughs> Yeah, and how long did it actually? How long did it take to quote unquote master it? Well, I I, I really haven't mastered it yet. Uh, and how long have you been playing? Uh, fifty-seven years. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's a good answer, though. Yeah. No, I'm constantly. I haven't mastered radio. <laughs> doing it for you. Oh, yeah, that's ideal. You, you know, you never run out of. Stuff no, you never it. run out. Yeah. Right. Um, I had lessons until I was thirteen. It's my uh, basic downfall, and then I put. Uh, folks like Rudy Vacek here on the record and, and Knobble and others. I didn't realize how arrogant that was. I tried to make myself sound like the best other players in the world. Just didn't know what else Rudy. to do. I wonder, is Rudy still around? I no, yeah, he's been gone a long, a long time. time. Yeah. Rudy was born in 1905. Yeah, yeah. Glad <laughs> I held that vinyl on. Well, thank you so much. What a treat it's been tonight. So so thanks so much. I. I well, talk, Jeff, talk about tomorrow. We always plug stuff at the end of the show, so talk about yep, the George Yep, new music thing. at the Green Mill, 2 p.m. at the Green Mill. Uh, come on out. It's uh, $5 to get in or pay what you can. And um, it's you, if you want to hear really new music, there's going to be a lot of great Chicago composers um, performing and p presenting their music. It'll be great. Jeff 
Kowalkowski. And thank you so much for coming down in the weather, Kurt Von Eckroth and his wife, Megan. You'll come back when the record comes out? Anytime. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And John Hughes, what a a great coincidence. You're in town for SoxFest, and here we are. Excellent, baby. Back together again. Still handsome and bulletproof. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So thank you all for listening. Uh, Thanks, Dan Long, for the production. And we'll see you soon on Nocturnal Journal on WGN.